What if this is as good as it gets? TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. TGIF. I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Glad to be there. Glad we have a first-time guest coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun today. Look into my eyes. What are you, some kind of Sven Jolly? No, it's much better, much healthier than that. But before we get into those weeds, let's talk about the guy who knows his way around weed. Whoa! What? <laughs> or weeding? What? That's better. You know, you take the weeds. That's better. They're in the backyard. Sure, what Gary. What were you thinking? Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm in or Seattle else? right now. We're in the evergreen <laughs> state. I mean, Gary. That's right. <laughs> Just... It's green and it's staying that way. <laughs> Bad boy Benny Mathers at the oh, board. How boy. are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for asking. Go Mariners! 1-0. This is the start of the new season. Woo! Bring it. So right, right now they have a winning record. They do. <laughs> they do. Whom are they playing? Uh, the Cleveland Guardians. I have to remember because they're no longer the Indians. Yes, that's right. The Guardians. Okay, right. was that Guardians. one of those lid lifters where they start before everyone? Because it used to be Cincinnati played the first game by tradition. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know about that one. Maybe. Okay. So they're 1-0 at any rate. Good. Yep. Good to know. Yeah. I would love to see the Mariners as the dark horse candidate for winning the pennant and going to their first world series that is the holy grail of baseball in seattle oh man we will lose our minds absolutely 100 if they go i hope it happens i Me really too. do so now i have a rooting interest suzanne yep and good to see and they're winning right now and they're winning right oh. now you look lovely you look chipper thank you thank you and today we're going to have a first time guest we're going to talk about generally and then with some specifics the science of hypnotherapy and the innate gift that it is it's god's gift to humanity you want to talk self-healing well maybe it doesn't heal everything but hypnosis has fascinated me since i was still a teenager back in the 1970s and beginning college there and i started to go to, i'll tell our guest about this in a moment but i i thought a lot of hypnosis then and i still do it has a nearly endless capacity to help people live their lives in a better healthier way that's why we invited her look into my eyes <laughs> and squawk like a chicken there we go that's <laughs> right i was hoping you'd tell me i was an astronaut walking on the moon but you don't want to see me do the moonwalk no i don't patricia v scott phd is a board certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist neuro-linguistic programming master practitioner, certified master trainer for International Association of Counselors and Therapists, Life Fellow of the International Medical and Dental Hypnotherapy Association, certified instructor for the International Hypnosis Federation, and creator of Medical Hypnotherapy Special Certification, president at UP Hypnosis Institute in Palm Harbor on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Patty sees private clients and teaches internationally recognized certifications. Prior to doing that, she spent 20 years as a professional singer, actor, dancer, and published songwriter. And so for the first time on Manson Mitchell, we want to welcome Patty Scott. Good to have you with us today, Patty. 
It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Boy, that, reading that, it makes me feel like I must have done a lot in the last you 40, did. 50 years. <laughs> you did. <And laughs> I've been how busy. Did we, how did we find this nice lady? This is our opportunity to thank our good friend, Joe Rombolo. He is one of those guests we have met. We have dined with him. Many, many conversations. He was on our show recently, and he said that Patricia V. Scott is somebody that you should interview. Why don't you give Patty a call? And so we said, okay, we'll do that. And I'm glad that we did. You have an amazing curriculum vitae, Patricia. It's it's a question of associations, how we go through life, the choices we make, the turns we take. And it just so happened that Joe Rombolo and you, we'd love to know the story, had become close friends and he thought enough of you to tell us that we should bring you on air. <laughs> Yeah, Joe and I go way back. Uh, I knew him before I got into show business, but I had always wanted to be a singer. And I used to go see his band in St. Louis, which is where I grew up in my teen years. And kind of touched base with him here and there and everywhere after that when I got into the business. And then reconnected not too long ago since I moved to Florida and been talking off and on about the the new career that's I'm in my 31 years now of this career. Seems like 31 weeks. <laughs> it's it's always exciting and new. So time goes fast, doesn't it? <laughs> what was the event, if there was a single event, that had you move from show business into hypnotherapy? Was it something personal or something business-wise? That, that's an interesting uh, touch of fate, I think, stepped in. And uh, I was in California. I had moved to California to do more film and TV. I'd done just about everything else, including that, um, based out of Nashville for a few years. And I was in New York studying opera. And I did at literal people say, what did you do in show business? I literally did everything. I wrote songs in Nashville and Reba McIntyre recorded one of my songs and, you know, had a few had a few things happening there. But didn't plan to get out of show business. I was going to be like, you know, crazy, like Betty White, you know, be a 90 year old crazy woman on TV because you can do it forever. But when I got to California, uh, I had been studying hypnosis and neurolinguistics and mind body and meditation and all these things through the years, which had helped me with multiple things that we can get into some of the more serious ones, if you like, later. But uh, when I got to California, I found there was a school that taught hypnosis. And for some strange reason, I, it didn't occur to me they actually had schools for that. <laughs> so I uh, looked up the school and I was just taking the training for myself to get better at it because I used it for so many amazing things. And I thought, I want to know more about this. And within, I would say within a couple of months of taking that class, and then, of course, I signed up for everything else they offered uh, I ended up realizing my career was shifting. I had a new calling and it was like making a, just making a turn that was so inspired and it was so uh, necessary. It, it, my career was going well, but you know, I was starting to do TV and film and I found I wasn't enjoying it as much as live audiences. First of all, I was making a lot of money, but it was, you know, wasn't as much fun. And I was getting so excited about this field. And then I went to Arizona and studied medical hypnosis uh, real early on. And then I just, I knew, I fell in love with it. I just absolutely knew that was what I was to do now. And and actually, and I said this all the way back 31 years now that I've been in this field, and I believe it even more now than back then, that I literally had my training for this field that I, that my main training was in show business. That's where I learned 
what I needed to come into this field. Isn't that funny? You would think that those would be two very disparate things. And yet you, you say one kind of launched the other. And, and that is pretty interesting. I was curious about um, medical hypnotherapy. You, you are board certified clinical and medical hypnotherapy. And, and I'm, I'm wondering uh, why would that be different from any other hypnotherapy? And what is the board that certifies you? Yeah, the well, there's a couple of them. The first one was the American Board of Hypnotherapy, which was Southern California, and it is still in existence. And then uh, I, in Arizona, I used to go to the National Board for Hypnotherapy and Hypnotic Anesthesiology, long name. <laughs> and uh, I did a lot of training in Arizona when I was living in Los Angeles area. I'd, I'd travel out to Phoenix multiple times a year for several weeks at a time and and do training there. And uh, that's where I got the anesthesia hypnotherapy. They call it hypnosedation these days. And um, the medical, the immune system hypnotherapy, addictions hypnotherapy. And I could list about 20 things. <laughs> it would get obnoxious if I told you all the training that I took. But it uh, that's, where, that's where that came from. So the National Board for Hypnotherapy and Hypnotic Anesthesiology uh, no longer exists. It, the gentleman, Sean Longacre, who was running it, died uh, actually a couple years after I moved to Florida, I think, which was about 20 years ago. And um, they tried to keep it going, but nobody else had the uh, the time and effort that he put into it. So it kind of went away. But but the certifications never go away in this field. So thankfully. It, it sounds to me, Patty, when you're talking about sedation and anesthesiology, it, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to say to myself, it sounds like you're substituting hypnosis for actual sedation. Is, is uh, in that... some, yeah, in some cases that's true. With myself, I do it. Now, I never try to talk someone else into doing any kind of surgery or dental work or anything without anesthesia. I would never try to talk. But since I'm a trainer, I feel like I got to walk the walk and talk the talk. So I've I've done a periodontal surgery just within the last four years was the most serious thing I ever did using only hypnosis, no pain medications, no numbing agents whatsoever. And I actually have a YouTube video out there, uh, interview with the periodontist that I did afterwards. And uh, he even told me some things I didn't realize that had happened because I didn't talk to him that much after after that until the interview. But um, I controlled the bleeding, evidently. He said there was zero bleeding, which he said never happens. They always thought the anesthesia is what controls the bleeding. So it's pretty, pretty impressive. I was impressed. <laughs> you know, it, it comes down to training and experience. But there's also the element of faith, belief in the principles that you studied in order to become a PhD in a specialized form of hypnotherapy. In a clinical setting, did you need to find the faith, the other element, the X factor, did you need to find the faith, Patty, to do something like that? Because when the door is closed and they all have the gloves on and they say open wide or whatever it is that needs attending, you've got to trust in your own ability because this, this, this self-hypnosis by definition is an innate capacity to ward off pain. Yeah, I would actually even go further. I would say belief is what it's all about. 
And when I talked about uh, show business training me for this, it's because it's the creative part of the mind. I call it unconscious these days. I, when I was trained, they were using the word subconscious a lot, but I like the word unconscious better, uh, partly because of Freud. <laughs> I didn't care for the way he kind of polluted the subconscious mind back in those days. But uh, it, the unconscious is our creative part of our mind. It's also the part of us that literally is uh, in touch 24 hours a day with our emotions, it's the seat of emotions, and any thought we think throughout the day, uh, and and by the way, anything that's said now they know, because we've got great imaging machines now, now they know even in a, even people under anesthesia in surgery and those kind of things, and even there's been some indications people in comas can actually, their body is still responding to the input, in other words, to what it's hearing, what it's seeing, what it's uh, whatever the input into the organism is always being responded to instantly in the moment. So to me, this work is about learning how to use our mind efficiently to focus on those things that get us what we want. And that does take it does take faith. It does take belief. And the way that I got it was because I did it before I knew what I was doing. And I don't know if you want me to get into the what really started me on this road. Well, sure. For us, it's about the stories, and you've got plenty of yeah. them. Yeah, I, I, I could be here for hours, trust me. <laughs> uh, but, the well, the, the first one that got me into show business, my mind, when I first remember having a thought, I loved singing. I, I knew from the minute I had a thought in my head, I was going to grow up and be a singer. Luckily, I didn't have anyone uh, negating that thought early in my life. You know, they kind of went along with it. You know, isn't that cute? You know, she's going to be a singer. Yeah. And and that came true. So so my mind was preparing me for that. But at age 19, before I went into show business, I had a back injury. I will not go into that story. It's not relevant. It's not a not a pretty story, but it it let's put it this way. I was beat down really, really bad. <laughs> and I had a back injury that I'm standing in front of the doctors with all kinds of injuries, including this uh, back that wouldn't allow me even to stand up straight. Uh, and the doctor started reading me a list of things I was never going to be able to do for the rest of my life. And he started talking about surgeries and all these limitations and everything was about limitations. And there was an absolute undeniable uh, I won't call it a voice. I'll call it a knowing. There was a knowing inside of me standing in front of that doctor that absolutely, without a single doubt in my mind, said, no, he's absolutely wrong. That's not your life. That's not going to happen. And it wasn't denial. It was it was a whole different kind of thing. And it was it was that sense that I had used as when I was younger, that I always listened to that, that knowing to me, it's, it's that inner intelligence. Now I would call it, it's an innate intelligence inside of us that if we listen to it, it's never wrong because it knows what, what's right for us. I walked out of there. Now at 19, I grew up in a small town. You, when doctors told you something, you listened, you know, I was brought up the doctor. No, you know, you, you never don't do what the doctor tells you you need to do. But that was so absolute. I walked out of that door. I did never go, went back. I started searching. That was the beginning of my search. And I started reading mind body books. I started doing yoga. I started doing meditation. And it culminated through the years. I ended up a year, about a year later, going into show business, ended up dancing and doing all the things the doctor said I'd never be able to do, even with surgeries. And and that started my quest, uh, my personal quest on 
what did I do? How did I even know that there was another future for me besides the one that that doctor was painting? And that's really what started all of this. And I and it culminated in me uh, zeroing in on hypno, hypnosis, hypnotherapy, and neurolinguistic programming, which is NLP. Some people may be familiar with that. They're very closely related. I teach both of them now. And NLP kind of grew out of, in some ways, hypnosis. But that's they answered the questions. When I was reading the books on those things, it was making sense. It resonated with me. And it explained to me how I knew what I did. When you talk about belief, this here's here's a little coincidence. There's a lot of coincidences in my life. Uh, my first hypnosis conference I ever went to for the American Board of Hypnotherapy in Southern California after I got certified. Still, still, I don't I don't even know if I really knew I was going into the field yet at that point, but I think I was getting pretty sure. Uh, on the board of directors of the American Board of Hypnotherapy was Dr. Bruce Lipton. Some people may know who he is nowadays. Sure. Back then, he hadn't written any books. <laughs> Bruce Lipton wrote a book called The Biology of Belief a few years later. But he was a cellular biologist at Stanford University. And I, re I remember reading the write-up about his seminar, and I was reading about the cellular biologist. And I, and I remember thinking, what on earth is he doing at a hypnosis conference? It didn't make sense to me until I got in the room with him. And then I realized, talk about belief the 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 power of belief is what all everything he was talking about our belief systems run the show they create our reality and they color every behavior reaction that we have to the input the billions of bits of input that are coming in especially these days so i don't know if that uh, that's that's how i really got started in hypnosis and every all along the way i just stumbled on the most amazing teachers so my uh, my newest mission in life is to pass on all of the great teachings, all of the great lessons that I learned. A lot of my first teachers are, are gone now. So uh, that's that's my goal in life now. I noticed in your intro, Patty, that there are a number of things that you are doing with regard to training. So I, I see that you are training other people to do this work. I, I'm still... Um, let's just say a little bit unclear about if you are interacting with the medical field with doctors and dentists and such are are you getting referrals from the medical field for hypnotherapy or are people kind of finding you on their own if they've got a medical issue well, both, but the bottom line uh and since I, I've been teaching this now for uh, about eighteen nineteen years. Uh, hypnotherapists are not licensed because we don't prescribe, we don't diagnose. There is, they can't figure out what to do with hypnotherapy, frankly. We are part of the medical team. I always, always, always have a medical referral when it's something that is a diagnosis. And, and people do come to me sometimes not realizing they need that referral. And that's part of what I teach. And that's definitely a uh, hundred percent what I go by. Uh, and sometimes I always ask who the who their uh, treating physician is anyway. But if if it is a medical issue, uh, even for weight, which uh, officially by state law and by you know in Florida here, uh, we don't need a referral for working with weight, smoking, or stress. <laughs> and I remember laughing when I heard that because I said, "Well, gee, those don't affect your health at all, do they?" <laughs> but uh, but I always like to have that connection. But definitely, if it's like obesity, if somebody comes that's just severely overweight, I already know they're going to be on some medications and they're probably being treated for 
that, then I would always get a referral. But yeah, we're part of the team. It's I like the words integrative medicine because most of the medical uh, journals and the schools and the research uh, bodies are all talking about hypnotherapy now. And part of my job is to get other people to realize it really is out there. It's been studied. It's been uh, there's plenty of data now, and and it's been going on for decades that we've known that it is a, a viable medical treatment. In your experience, Patty, have you worked with people in such a way that they will get off of one or more of their medications? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, that's not something I address directly, but if that is their goal, uh, my first question to them is always, have you discussed that with your doctor? Because that's outside of my scope of practice, obviously. And I'm very careful about that. And I love interacting with doctors. Doctors have been referring to me. It's interesting, even in California, like when I first started, I was getting referrals from doctors and I couldn't figure out why at first. But the more I studied the medical side, the more I realized uh, how it really is in in the medical uh, journals and everything. So, um, yeah, the the medical to me is my passion. I love teaching it. And like I said, that first the first year that I started this, I ended up in Arizona studying with Dr. Michael Preston. Um, who had the American Institute of Hypnotherapy, I think was the name of it, of medical hypnotherapy. And he wrote a book called Hypnosis, Medicine of the Mind. And he was just a phenomenal person, became my mentor and my good friend. Even after I came to Florida, I still stayed in touch with him until he died. I think it was in 2009 that he died. But yeah, it's it really is. It's such a fascinating feel. Like I said, it's 31 years. I'm more excited today than I was back when I started this. It's just, it never gets old and it's just exciting to me, especially teaching others. Yeah. When a doctor refers a patient to you for medical hypnotherapy, I'm curious about that application. So a doctor will say, I want you to go see uh, Dr. Scott, uh, Patricia Scott. And, and so you, you find out you, you've got this patient of a doctor and what is the doctor saying to you i want you to use hypnotherapy to do what well when they refer to a hypnotherapist doctors are just going to uh from whatever way they heard about us through the client through their their patient or through just uh maybe them studying they'll say either for pain relief or they'll say for you know pre-surgery for something, perhaps. It's going to be generic. They Most doctors don't know what I do. Although I've had many doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists and acupuncturists, I've had a lot of people take my training. And of course, those people do. And some of them still don't want to become hypnotherapists as far as in their practice. They just wanted to know more about it. And they still refer people to me, most of them. But some of them have incorporated it into their practice. I have a psychologist here in, in Palm Harbor that is uh, has done some of the trainings. I bring him in to do some of the trainings with me. And he incorporates hypnosis with every single uh, client that he has, unless they just don't want him to. And one, once you realize how the mind works, you know, the language of hypnosis is just talking to the inner mind. It's It's talking to the part of the person that has the answers. 
And I always say, you know, that thing about Svengali you were talking about, and, you know, things like that. We don't do, I always tell my clients, I don't, I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm not going to put anything in your mind. And all of that other stuff is just, you know, that's silly old movies or whatever. Uh, hypnosis is a natural state. We go on, in and out of it all the time. I say, what we're going to do is we're going to access the part of your mind that knows what's possible for you. Because that's that's the expert above the doctors, above the all, with all of the best knowledge out there. The real expert is inside of the client. And once you tap into that, I'm telling you, miracles just seem to start happening. I've done it for myself. I've done, I can tell you, I fixed my eyesight with him. I, uh, 20, 22 years ago, I was still wearing glasses. I had to wear glasses for a few years out in California. And uh, I heard that a hypnotist had fixed their eyesight. And I thought, wow, I never thought of trying that. Yeah, it can't hurt. You know, let's give it a shot. And I just started working on it. And three years later is when I came to Florida and I had to take my driving test and get an eye test. And I said, I don't need these anymore. And I had to wear them before that. And if I showed you the glasses, I can't even put them up to my eyes anymore. They hurt my eyes. And it's, it's lasted for 20 years so far. So 21 years, I guess now. And with this pair of glasses, was it of the big black horned variety where it's like you're looking through bus windows? No, but I was on, I think, the third generation of getting stronger glasses. I had, you know, I had to wear them to drive. I had the sun, you know, those prescription sunglasses and the whole bit. I was wearing glasses. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't drive without them. It was, you know, for distance, I really, even when I would do classes, if if people were, if I had people in a room, I couldn't see past the first row and make out someone's face without the glasses back then. So Suzanne and I have each other covered. I am farsighted <laughs> there. If I put a book up to my nose, I can't, it just looks like a big blur. But if I put it out at arm's length, then I can read it. However, I go to the dollar store and I get myself the cheaters and it works out just fine for me. I thought some, you know, sometime it might be worth investigating LASIK surgery, but if you could do it through hypnosis, I'm sure it would be less painful and a hell of a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, I just, I wouldn't have even thought to, to do it if I hadn't heard somebody else did when you were asking about faith. See, I was already studying this, so I already knew that people had had open heart surgery with no anesthesia. They're, they've done all kinds of operations, so I already had that awareness before I had my first. Probably it was probably just a tooth extraction to start, you know. And then I built up my my trust in it because it just worked so beautifully. And I thought, wow, this is you know. And I'd walk out of the dentist office laughing, and I said, they must have thought they gave me laughing gas or something, because then instantly you feel better. You can take a drink without spilling it all over your clothes, you know, <laughs> when they numb your mouth, you can't do a lot afterwards. That's <laughs> hypnosis, true. It just goes away. <laughs> and open heart surgery under hypnosis alone. I don't Absolutely. think, I don't think there's enough faith in the world to get me to go for that one. Well, <laughs> However, what, do you, what, what do you, what do you think they did when you study, if you studied uh, healing, you know, they didn't always call it hypnosis. That wasn't until like the seventh, uh, 18th century, I think, mm -hmm. but you know, there, there have been sleep temples in Greek, ancient Greece. What do you think they did before chemical anesthesia was invented? <laughs> they used to use hypnosis on the battlefield in world war one. And, uh, you know, back in those days, because they didn't have sometimes the ether or whatever back then was the the anesthesia of the day. But uh, when anesthesia came in, that's when people kind of stopped using hypnosis more because it was easier. Just just give me the stuff, you know. <laughs> 
Well, you know, and we're coming up on a break, but I'll, I'll just uh, close this portion by saying the what I find most harrowing and poignant in its way is the scene of an army field hospital during the Civil War, and there is a bone saw for amputation, and a surgeon's got to go in there and do that and get the cooperation of the patient soldier. I don't right. know how they manage that, but it happened plenty, and it's part of our history. I've always found that in a horrifying way, just compelling to think that this had to be done to save a soldier's life. And I don't know how you got them to endure the surgery. I would think that there would be a guy on a cot or a table who would die during such a surgery. And I'm not talking about infection. I'm talking about tolerance for pain. Sure, sure. Yeah, but they did. But they there is recorded in history that hypnosis was used whenever, you know, they have that available. And, and, you know, there's things we do naturally that we would call hypnosis that because, again, it's a natural state. If you if you think about someone, uh, if you ever talk to paramedics or someone that's, you know, that does that kind of thing, they'll talk about situations where they come up on an accident and somebody will be, you know, laying next to the car and their arm is pretty much ripped off their body and they're in a trance. They're in a state of kind of trance where they don't feel the pain. And sometimes then, you know, they kind of look and they see what happened. And then all of a sudden now they feel the pain. So the the mind and the body have a way of protecting us, I believe, from, you know, from that, what you're talking about, from losing our mind because of, because of uh, that kind of pain. But, you know, that, like I said, I don't ever try to talk somebody into doing anything without anesthesia. I just do it because I teach it, so. We are talking with Patricia, Patty to her friends, V. Scott, PhD. She is a specialist in hypnotherapy. She works in the medical field and she can help you quit smoking or lose some weight as well. She is very experienced, very accredited, and we enjoy talking to her. A first time interview with Patricia Scott. Thank you, Joe Rombolo. We'll be back after a couple of minutes, and then I want to approach something that I regard as being the frontier of hypnosis. That and more when Manson Mitchell returns. Please stay tuned. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. I'm Gary Mance. And I'm Suzanne Mitchell. It's time for the 2023 KKNW Listener Survey. Please log on to 1150kknw.com after our show and complete the listener survey. Your responses will ensure quality programs like Manson Mitchell continues on this station. As an added incentive, you will have a chance to win round-trip tickets for two on the Victoria Clipper to beautiful Victoria, B.C. Plus a $100 gift certificate to Famous Dave's Restaurant. On behalf of KKNW, Manson Mitchell, and all of the fine shows on our station. Thank you for taking the time to help us improve your listening experience. You've got to play to win, and one lucky person's name will be drawn on April 23 for the trip. Log on to KKNW right after Manson Mitchell and fill out the survey. Complete contest rules can be found at 1150kknw.com. 
staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome first-time guest Patricia Scott to talk about soul contracts and medical hypnotherapy stories of breaking bad habits, pain relief, and healing. On Saturday, we celebrate April Fool's Day with songs of and for fools. Bring your dancing shoes and enjoy some of our favorite fool's music. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. It might seem like magic when Patricia V. Scott is um, working her hypnotherapy. If people would like to get more information about you, Patty, where can they find you online? Oh, well, my website is uphypnosis.com. So uphypnosis.com. And uh, up hypnosis at yahoo.com will get me an email. Uh, I love Do you do any of your trainings uh, online? Using- yes, yes. Uh, since COVID now, actually, I've got students all over the world. It, I was a little bit skeptical of doing some of the things online. I don't know why now, uh, looking back. But COVID forced a lot of us to do some things that were outside of our comfort zone. And thankfully, it worked out to where now it's... Uh, uh, it's opened up a whole, you know, another area that I can get. But I do have a training uh, room here in the Palm, uh, Tampa Bay area where I do on, I do online and in classrooms sometimes at the same time, which is kind of fun. So if, if you want to see what um, Patty Scott is about, you can go to uphypnosis.com and maybe even take a, a class with her on hypnosis. <clears throat> I, I also so. do I also do a free webinar every month. It's a, just a little one hour thing for people that are curious just to, you know, show people it's a different topic every month and That's let so people in, in, a, in the comfort of your own home or wherever you happen to be attend the webinar for free. That's a great thing. I didn't have that advantage though I had the next best thing. I was able to drive several miles from where I lived at the time back in the mid 1970s. And I attended on Friday nights, great place to be on a Friday night if you didn't have a date, which I frequently did not. And that was part of the problem I sought to address through hypnosis. I would go <laughs> to these presentations and I watched 
a group of people, it could be 30 people gathered together in a relatively small room. We were kind of packed in there and we would see a demonstration of hypnosis with various issues being addressed. And in particular, there was one anxiety-ridden young woman. I would say she was in her late 20s. She would show up every time. And it got to the point after she fully trusted the hypnotist that he could say the phrase A-OK or even snap his fingers. And she would, to all appearances, dissolve into a highly suggestible puddle. And she was absolutely amenable to all his suggestions because she trusted him. And he began to help her with some of the issues in her life. And I thought, unless she's a plant, we're talking about something very powerful here. And it resides within each of us. We have recourse to it whenever we need it. I think that's a natural miracle. And it says a heck of a lot for evolution that we as humans would be able to develop that capacity. Don't you agree? I absolutely 100% agree. That's what it's all about. That's why it's so fascinating because every time I get a client in front of me, it's either online or in person. I love seeing people in person though, but it's, I, I, I feel like I'm looking at a miracle. The design is miraculous. And once you understand, you know, that people are creating their reality based on their current beliefs and attitudes and and behaviors and things that have been programmed in, if you will. It's not a great way to say it, but it's, you know, we get automated behaviors that start when we're little babies and infants. And sometimes we create a self-identity too that doesn't serve us later in life. And the really nice thing about all of these, you know, about the way that developed is that they can later in life say, you know, this isn't working for me anymore. I don't, I don't really feel like this is, this is limiting me in some way. By the way, the up in my company name is, stands for unlimited possibilities. That was the full name of my company in California before I moved to Florida. And I just, because that's the way I think of this work. It shows people, it, it allows us to tap into the part of the human that is the mind that if they dissect your body when you die, they can find your brain that the mind used. They can find the body the mind used, but they can't find your mind. And now they they know that our mind extends even beyond our skin, our, our mental abilities. They can detect a pain signal a few inches beyond your skin before the brain even feels the pain. So it's pretty, pretty obvious that there's more to us. That, you know, Newtonian physics is kind of outdated, and that's the way most Western medicine is still based in that. And and the energy fields and these the mind body, you know, all of these kinds of things get into more, you know, and again, I got to go with the belief systems of the client, but that spiritual or metaphysical world, whatever you want to call all of that other, you know, where all of the other power is that comes to us or that, that knowing I was talking about that I got from somewhere. And if we just open up to it and trust, like you said, once you trust yourself, and of course, with hypnosis, it's a very intimate uh, communication to work with a hypnotist. You have, they have to trust the person they're working with. And I always tell them two things are necessary, trust in me and an extremely powerful desire for the outcome you're looking for. Beyond that, we're going to get to the part of you that knows if, first of all, if this is possible, and if it is, what has to be done to make it happen. And the answers all come from without inside the person. It really is an amazing, <laughs> amazing thing to watch. 
Well, it definitely is. I know Suzanne wants to get back in here, but let me just ask you quickly, Patty. Sure. What is your opinion? Now, I'm not I mean, I remember back in the uh, early 70s, and I guess maybe that triggered my interest in hypnosis. So that's one bit of good that it did. But I remember Pat Collins, the hip hypnotist, very, <laughs> yep. very good at marketing herself. But that leads me to ask you, Patty, what is your estimate of the work? What is your evaluation of so-called stage hypnotism? Well, Pat Collins was really good friends with my first teacher, who was the head of the American Board of Hypnotherapy, Dr. Al Krasner. They were best friends, so I heard a lot about her in the beginning days. Most of the heads of the organizations in the 70s were all stage hypnotists, and they kind of kept the field going uh, at a time when it fell out of favor after Freud polluted it a little bit, because he wasn't very good at it, is is what happened with him, but... uh, and, you know, these were all people that started a lot of the organizations. Now, we've gotten out of that. We've, we've gotten into a more uh, client-centered, it's called hypnotherapy. It's it's not that shticky stuff that I talk about, you know, that the, the stage hypnotists do. But it's, you know, it, it still takes trust. And uh, we don't do the snapping fingers usually in the, you know, it's swinging watches or whatever it was the old days. Because it's a conversation and it's more and that's what it's called conversational Ericksonian hypnosis based on Milton Erickson finding out you can just speak to someone in a certain way with a certain intention and get them into a state where they are receptive and open to uh, discovering some new ways to to respond or to explore whatever the issues are. Patty, is there a difference between self-hypnosis and meditation? Uh, actually, I have one of my little one-hour videos that I did was on meditation, um, mindfulness, and hypnosis, how they how they are similar and different. Meditation is pretty much brainwave-wise the same state as hypnosis. You can go deeply into meditation, of course. The The main difference is you start, I always say, why waste a good trance? If you know how to go there with hypnosis, you're starting out with a very specific thing that you're asking your mind to do for you while you're in the state. That's really the only difference. But it's a, it's a big difference. It's a very important difference. Because like I said, if you know how to get into that state, where your mind can do things for you, you might as well use it. I also uh, do classes on sleep hypnosis, on uh, sleep learning, sleep healing. I've got one of my videos on that out on the internet as well. Because I learned when I was in show business, again, I was studying all these things about how the mind works. And I just came across whatever it was that told me I could learn things in my sleep. And there were times that I, I literally had to do that. And I would, uh, I, I learned a whole, an entire show one time in three days that I could have never done, didn't have time to learn in my waking state. So I would record all of the uh, dialogue and I would listen to it all night long while I slept. And I, in three days later, I was on stage with a three act show with singing, dancing, staging, <laughs> you know, all original music and all original dance steps and, and dialogue. And, that would have been humanly impossible. So those are the kinds of things I was doing. And, and I also would finish songs. I would get stuck, you know, talk about writer's block. I was songwriting. I would get stuck on a song. And one time in particular, I had to get it to the publisher the next day. 
And I, I just could not, I knew there was a perfect line. I had one line that I just couldn't come up with. I knew it was there, but the more I tried, of course, with my conscious mind, the less it was working because writing is a creative endeavor, which means I had to access my unconscious. So I told myself before I went to sleep and I had done this before, please, please help me find this perfect line. And sure enough, middle of the night, I woke up, I always had a pen and paper next to the bed and it was perfect. It fit perfectly. As soon as I stopped straining over it and went to sleep, which is you go through the hypnotic state as you fall asleep. And as you wake up, you're going through it. So I, it came to me in my sleep. My mind was working for me. So it's it's really pretty cool stuff. Have you ever um, been under hypnosis yourself or had somebody else under hypnosis where you were very surprised about what you found? And what I was thinking specifically is, did you ever go under hypnosis or have somebody who were maybe revealing a past life that they weren't the person you saw today, but there was um, there were these uh, past lives that might be coming through? It, yeah, that's interesting the way you you brought that up because that's exactly how I experienced as a hypnotist my first client going to a past life. It, it happened spontaneously. I was trained in it, thankfully, so that I could uh, facilitate it nicely. And it, it ended up being very cool to go through. And uh, I don't know if I answered your previous question, too, that it is all self-hypnosis. If somebody doesn't want to be hypnotized, there's no way anybody can hypnotize them, contrary to some of the crazy stories that are out there. But this gentleman came to me, and he he was he was a guitar player. And he was trying to get some answers for, again, it was it was a, a stress that would come over him when he was playing with people. And it would be his time to kind of take off, you know, uh, and and he would freeze. He, he would literally freeze. And so in the hypnotic state, he went somewhere that obviously was before he was born. And he started describing where he was and he started, I started, I, like I said, I had the training, thankfully. So I was asking him the questions and he was getting, he was talking to an old lady on a porch and getting answers. And he was, he was in a, uh, like a cotton field and it was obviously before, and he was a little boy. He was a little boy. And he knew that it wasn't any time that he was alive, just from the surroundings. He knew it was, you know, a previous century. And so when he came back from the experience, the old lady on the porch had given him his answers and helped him with what he was there for. And we talked about it. And he said, you know, I don't believe in past lives. And I said, that's OK. <laughs> I said, did you get what you went there for? Did you get? And he says, yeah, it was so weird. And he, he still didn't believe in him necessarily. But he said something happened. And I know that I wasn't alive when that that scene was playing out and that wasn't me, but I was there. And uh, so it was, it was pretty cool. And um, that's just one example of a surprising thing that boy, I could, like I said, I could talk for hours about the surprising things that come up in hypnosis, which is why that old leaving style, we don't give people suggestions on what to do we, you know, the, the newer style is, is open them up and see what's there. Let their mind come up with the answers. Yeah, Gary. Is there, Patricia, do you consider past life regression, past lives therapy to be still on the frontier of hypnotherapy? Because I can see that being very controversial, despite 
you know, someone's sincerity. The fact is we're exposed to media if we're paying attention all day long. And people who do what we do, it's every day, seven days a week. And I'm always curious to know if a hypnotist can determine, or maybe the individual being regressed can determine whether or not they were exposed to material that they have conflated into their current reality so that it becomes a narrative with which they can live. Exactly. Uh, and luckily, again, I ended up with some people that I took metaphysical counselor training and past life regression with. I took it from several people, but Dick Sutphin was one of the people that I studied with for the uh, metaphysical and past life and some other, the Baldwins and some other people. But uh, one thing that Dick Sutphin would say, and he did, he really is into the past life regression stuff, right? And first thing he said in the training was, you know, most people, including myself, when they finish doing a past life regression, we believe we just made it up. And then <laughs> that I loved it. And that made sense to me. And yes, I think all hypnotists, I, I teach a little module on it in my training. I think everybody should be trained in it just for the reason, like my client that did it spontaneously. And by the way, it's not my job to decide or to give my opinion about whether I think it's real, if it's a real past life. And he didn't care. He got what he needed. So to me, so, now I know some past life regressionists that specialize in it, that it's like a religion to them. And I don't mean in a good way. <laughs> and I, I love religions. But when, when somebody has a religion that excludes things or that, or that puts it in a box and says, this is the only way to do something, or this is the only answer, and this is what it means. I think of that like like someone trying to interpret my dreams, you know. People don't know what my dreams mean, and I'm sure a bear in my dream means something different than a bear in the guy who wrote the book about dreams, you know. So to me, it's not my job to interpret or to uh, to try to convince the client of what it was. If they get what they came for, like I said, I've had many times that people come back and they say, you know, I don't believe in anything beyond, you know, we live, we die, that's the end. And then they'd say, but I know that some that I got information here today from someplace beyond myself. And that's that's I just say great. <laughs> so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything else because they don't care at that point. It's like that time that I was standing in front of the doctor and that knowing came into my mind. I didn't I don't know where that came from. And if people saw it in a movie or if they said, you know, every everything's in our archives of our mind. So, you know, maybe that gentleman that went to that place in that cotton field for as a little boy saw a movie when he was 10 that he doesn't even remember anymore. But it doesn't matter because he was there for a certain purpose of helping himself and his mind knew that. So it takes everything we have and that we've learned and that we've ever experienced or been exposed to. And it's going to bring it forth with the right guidance by a hypnotherapist. It will come forth and serve them. Towards the end they're looking for, it will give them what they need. I had an IBS patient, uh, doctor's patient. It's my client. I don't call them patients. And by the way, I don't I don't use the term doctor in front of my name ever. Um, I always put my name with the PhD because I don't ever want there to be a misunderstanding that I am a doctor. Even though I legally could call myself Dr. Scott, I don't do that for purpose for that purpose because I am a PhD in behavioral science. And I, I don't prescribe, I don't diagnose, I don't, you know, do that kind of thing. So I'm really clear about that. And I don't want anybody to have a misconception. But um, oh, I forgot what I was going for there. 
Well, I get excited ahead. when I talk about this stuff. Let me swing a pocket watch here for a minute. You'll remember. <laughs> exactly. Just relax. Breathe deeply. There you, you go. Know, I wonder about I wonder about people who have experiences and they add these layers of interpretation to their experiences. If it helps them, that is the pragmatic value of anything, including hypnosis. There, I wonder sometimes about what exactly is going on within the person and how our minds are able to extrapolate from a past life to a present life, or which is one of the things I wanted to mention, and I know we're running out of time there, but how about extrapolating into a future life? Because yes. I know as part of past life regression, there are practitioners and there is one lady in particular, I think she's passed on and I'm sorry, I've forgotten her name, but she actually worked with clients there who were able to tell her, I am doing this thing now in preparation for my next incarnation. Mm -hmm. And that really took this lady aback because she wasn't expecting to hear that. Right, right. Yeah, you get a lot of unexpected things. Uh, one of the great things with hypnosis, uh, with any hypnosis session, again, it's about outcomes. So the only reason we do any kind of regret, because everything has a history, that's the only reason to maybe clear up some things or pick up some missed lessons or to, to reframe some uh, some opinions or beliefs that might have been limiting the person. But it's always includes taking it out into the future. That's always the last part of it, or it should be, in my opinion, uh, the last part of a hypnosis session, because the, the mind, again, knows what that person's capable of. And I always uh, take the person out into the future now that they've done the work so that their creative mind can show them what's possible for them now. And uh, I mean, athletes think about it. Mental rehearsals athletes use all the time. They picture themselves at the at the uh, tournament, you know, doing the perfect whatever it is over and over and over again. And it really, they know now that there's a muscle memory thing that happens when you imagine something that it actually creates muscle memory, just as if you were actually practicing. So when you're, when you're taking somebody out into the future, it is preparing them on, on some level to start manifesting the behaviors and attitudes and beliefs to create that future for themselves. Pretty powerful. I think it works particularly well, spectacularly so in some cases with athletes. They make Absolutely. good models for study because you know the data doesn't lie. And if someone practices hypnosis and you isolate that as the major change in their behavior and their practice routine, you can see that in their batting average or how many times they can uh, win a bowling tournament and particularly with golf scores. I know that goes on all over the world. Absolutely. And because it is, it's it's in the mind. We our our reality is in our mind. So, you know, if you can use your mind efficient more efficiently, that's to me what this is all about. Learning how to use it efficiently and get rid of the debris, you know, learn how to get rid of that clutter. Yes. Patty, as we get ready to close, please tell everyone about the webinar again in 10 seconds. Oh, yeah. Well, I, third Wednesday of the month, I do a webinar. You can go to uphypnosis.com. I have it listed there. I'll send you the link and they're all on YouTube. Just look up Patricia Scott Hypnosis on YouTube. I got lots of videos out there. Oh, thank you so much for being with us today, Patricia. We really enjoyed our time with you. And coming up at one o'clock Pacific, Gary, on Trip Talk, what have you got going on? Matt Shea is back with us. We're going to talk about the 40th annual Tulip 
Festival in Skagit Valley, gorgeous Skagit Valley. You can hear all about that. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend, everyone.